This is scaring is sharing. It is. It's the place where we share our scares with one another and you, the listeners. Yes, all the listeners at home or in a car or in an office or wherever the hell you are. Out there in the dark. In the void. (laughs) I am Jeremy Rusk, the original Sasquatch Slim. And I am the original Flame and Scream Queen, Brandy Joe Planbeck. Hello. And we're here. (laughs) We're here to play you some smooth jazz. <laughs> That's right. It's all about that today. The smoothest of the jazz. Mm, only the jazziest, smoothiest. The jazziest. How was your week, Jeremy? Not too bad, I guess, all things considered. You know what was really exciting about this week? What? I got to see you in the flesh. It's true. It's true. You came by, there was a knock on my door, and I'm like, who the hell is at my house? Like, <laughs> people don't come over anymore. Uh, and it was the flaming Scream Queen himself, Brandy was. Joe, to give yep. me a gift. Yep. And that gift was a Planet Ant hoodie. That's right. It was. And anybody out there should really go check out Planet Ant. You know, support. Support them so they can help support us. That's right. It's just planetant.com and they have merch. You can donate. It's just, you know, it's a great place to support artists and just humanity in general. I mean, they're the coolest. So check out everything they do. And we are part of that community and uh, we love them. We do. The multiverse, because there's so many things going on there. It's left, right, and center. They've got something happening. Discord, they got gaming things, Simpsons things. I mean, just the sandwich eating podcast. There's so much. There's something for every season and every occasion. Check it out. (laughs) So I was wondering, like, where the fuck is my In Search of Darkness Part 2? Like, I hadn't received any notices on it, and I started to look Mm -hmm. into it. And I guess I had made the payment to it with something that was linked to like my old email address. So like I could have watched In Search of Darkness Part Two like a month ago. Oh no! Via via Vimeo, and I didn't like realize I was like, where the fuck is it? I I shall have the DVD in a couple of days. But cool. um, I was like, I'm gonna rewatch the first one, you know, because it's only four and a half hours to get through. So I still haven't <laughs> finished it. I still haven't gone back to watch the rest of it. I started it last night and I thought of what you said and I don't mind like the randos that I don't know who have a blog or whatever because I thought if someone asked us to be a part of that I would be so excited so I'm not gonna rag on them like you did oh I'm sorry guys (laughs) it was just watching it I felt a little bit like I already know that like a lot of them but that's because I am such a hardcore nerd that especially these 80s movies I already have read so much about a lot of them so yeah no and it's it's fun there's so much to cover that it's i like that sometimes they spend literally like 30 seconds on the movie and sometimes it's like a little segment you know and mm-hmm. i appreciate the melding of like big name people with like bloggers like sure. it is nice to have like a little bit of all worlds if it was like only quote unquote insignificant people like it would be a little boring but it's fun that like you got your big time directors and actors sure. in there and i do love the fact that Corey taylor 
is in there a bunch. Who's the, that? Uh, he is the lead singer of Slipknot. Oh, I don't think I've gotten to him yet. Metal band, but he pops up and he's one of the producers of them. Okay. So that's really why he's in there. He's a self-proclaimed like massive horror movie fan. So ah. you're like, you're like, you got all these movie people and then random like, oh, metal singer, like the lead singer of Slipknot and the band Stone Sour, like Corey Taylor. But that's just because oh. he's a producer on it. So Stone Sour, of course. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I've never heard of them, but I like the name. So I have some horror news this week. I have lots, actually. I just oh, wow. kept reading about everything left and right. Lots of remake stuff. So first of sure. all, let the right one in. I think a long time ago I talked about that there was supposed to be a TV series. I'd read about that there was supposed to be one on like TNT. Mm-hmm. But it's now moved over to Showtime. Mm. And this one guy from, he's in Godzilla versus Kong and the Nun. His name's like Damien... Bashir or something. I'm not quite sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but he's tapped to star in it. So that's exciting. Mm. And then also the exorcist I talk about, talked about it being remade when we had Nick, the knife on, Mm -hmm. but apparently it's going to be a sequel and it's going to be directed by David Gordon green. So I'm a little more, more optimistic now than I was before. Wow. And that's really become like the David Gordon green thing, isn't it? To take a, yeah, (laughs) I'm making a direct sequel to the original and ignoring everything else. He just, yeah, I don't know. They haven't said much about what the, the deal is. Like I would love if Linda Blair was a part of it and it was like a direct sequel, but I don't know if for sure that's how it is, but I like that idea. Yeah. Uh, I would push for, uh, please keep exorcist three in the canon. If you can have any references to that, because Exorcist 3 is actually a pretty good one, I think. Uh, so one of the best scares of all time in it. With yes. the, the nurse. In the hospital. Oh yes. God, yeah. The first time I saw like, that, I jumped out of my skin. Me too. I mean, it is such a great scare. It's so brilliantly executed and it is so frightening. And mm-hmm. then also that little old woman crawling around in the ceiling. It's pretty. Oh funny. yeah. That's really good too. Yeah. Exorcist three is just a good horror sequel. I like with that one, you know, you had exorcist Two: the heretic, which is universally like reviled as one of the worst sequels slash worst movies ever made. Uh, yeah. And and then three is all of a sudden this great course correction that, you know, that, there you go. That that was them doing the whole like direct sequel. They ignored two and then just pretended three was a continuation from the first one and did a pretty good job with that. And, you know, the Exorcist TV show, I only watched nine tenths of the first season. I don't something happened and we just didn't finish it. But it has a really fun twist in it that you really don't see coming. And it has a couple twists in it, but there's like one pivotal one that is just so exciting. And I need to finish it. I heard the show was fantastic from many yeah, people, and I never got it a chance to watch it. I think it's on Hulu or something now, isn't it? It it's might be. Those. I'll have to visit it. But I know it, like so many shows that everyone's like, it had two really good, what, two seasons was it? And two. everyone said yeah. they were both pretty good. Uh, and like with all good things, they canceled it. <laughs> well, speaking of Hulu, I hope you heard about this. Did you know that there's a three-part docu-series coming from the Duplass brothers? Yes, about Sasquatch. Yes, I thought of you. Yeah, my brother sent it to me, and I like jumped out of my seat when I started watching the trailer. I'm like, this looks so cool. Oh, is there a trailer? I didn't see that. I just saw the news bet. Oh, there's a trailer, and it it's it it's really ominous. Like the Concept for anyone that doesn't know. So the Duplass brothers who, you know, worked on the Creep movies and plenty of other indie stuff. They did a Netflix documentary 
they were the producers on it a little while back of, uh, I can't remember what it was called, Mastermind, I think. It was about that pizza bomber. Uh, oh, the pizza yeah, delivery yeah. guy had the bomb attached to him, that true crime Such case. a fascinating story. I haven't seen that doc, but the doc I, is really, I should. It's really good. And so they're doing a new documentary, I guess, with this investigative journalist who's going up to, it's just titled Sasquatch. He's going up to Northern California or did or whatever. I, I'm hoping there's not like some twist and this is dramatized in any way. Like I want this, I hope it's a like real legit documentary, but he's going up to Northern California where uh, all the dope farms are up there. Of and course. you know, there's, yeah. there's so much violence and mayhem that really goes on in that industry. Bunch of unsolved murders, all kinds of, you know, that, that's oh. a high stakes game, this dope farming between it before it was legal and now that it's it's still like it's high stakes there's a lot of armed hippie hillbillies up there like protecting their turf so a lot of unsolved disappearances and murders up there and one such case of like three guys i guess got murdered and locals say a sasquatch did it and that's interesting that's what they're investigating is the story around that Ooh, uh, I'm way more intrigued now than I was before. Like, and it looks just really that they were attached. I was like in, yeah. But I didn't know that they'd done other documentaries. You're just blowing my mind and expanding yeah. it. Yes. So check out, yeah, check out Mastermind. I think they got another one, uh, something on HBO. But the title's escaping me as well. But yeah, the Duplass brothers do some legit, like, real documentary production too. So that is so cool. Mm -hmm. And have you heard about the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah, I heard they just announced uh, the actor playing Leatherface. And the gal that's playing an older version of Sally. She was in Mandy. Did you see Mandy? I saw I love Mandy. Oh, my God. Me too. I did not expect to like it. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was so brilliant. Yeah, I, I revisited it a, uh, a little while back. I think I, this one I failed to mention, but I rewatched it probably for like the third time. And it still holds up like that's a. That's a rewatch movie for sure. You can just keep watching it. And I think it's just as good like every time. Yeah. And if you're sober like us and like you miss doing acid, you can watch that movie <laughs> and it feels like you're right back there. Yeah. It, <laughs> it has so many moments where you feel like, oh, yeah, this is what it was like to get super fucked up. Oh, like, I <laughs> my God. I, the acid, like, I mean, it is so fucking trippy, but not like in an annoying way. It's like in a very clever, sophisticated way. I, I, I don't know. That's weird to say that, but like, it doesn't feel like, we're, look at us we're trippy it just feels like authentic like it just like the way the colors are and stuff it's just so well done it's mm -hmm. beautiful yeah and there's it's just some great nicholas cage like oh yeah that bathroom scene is brilliant that's exactly what i was thinking of i was like oh man that hits so hard uh thinking where he's just pounding the vodka and that yeah. sends me back to like my uh drinking days where i'm like oh yeah yeah i this is a very authentic moment right here of him just freaking out and getting drunk. And it's like the perfect, they utilize Nicolas Cage perfectly. Like I am a Cage fan. Uh, I am in the Cage cult, but I, you know, there are good ways to utilize his powers and there are poor ways <laughs> to utilize his powers. And this movie succeeded in utilizing him properly. And Andrea Riseborough from Possessor, who plays Mandy, is just so incredible to watch i know i've talked about it before and i can't emphasize it enough she mm -hmm. is just 
I could just watch her all the time. She's so unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's her. great. Like everything, Julian Sand as the cult leader, like that's oh, a, so good. He's so believable in that performance. And then props to Elijah Wood as uh, one of the producers of that oh, movie. I didn't know where, that. yeah, Elijah Wood is really like he seems like one of these Hollywood guys that's actually a super cool dude in real life, and he's like oh. a fan fanboy of horror horror movies his name is in his production company or attached to a whole bunch of like indie horror hits so keep yeah, them coming he makes man. maniac so good and then come to daddy you haven't seen come to daddy but i haven't seen, seen come maniac? to daddy yet i've seen maniac and i loved maniac yeah they just talked about that in um in search of darkness the like i watched about 45 minutes last night and i need to watch that original again yeah it's just like they- both versions are so good. The original yeah. with Joe Spinell as the maniac, like so Joe, Joe Spinell is such a underrated character actor. Like, you know, some people may remember him from his bit part in the original Godfather in Godfather two. He had a little, oh. yep. That's kind of what made him a known character actor. And then he just did a ton of like horror and science fiction, but he was a really good performer. We were just talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it sounds like they're doing a la David Gordon Green. I feel like it's like this, like a direct sequel. I think they are, what they're yeah. saying. To they're like doing the, the same original. thing again. So they have like old Sally. Yeah, and that's what Texas Chainsaw 3D was supposed to be, if you remember. That was also a direct sequel to the original. Okay. They just made an intensely stupid story. I think that's like one of the worst sequels that's ever been made. Of Is that the next generation? Or are you talking about part three? Uh, 3D. Oh, the, that one a couple years ago. A couple years or, ago, the title I mean, maybe more the, than the that release now, but... title was Texas Chainsaw 3D. Right. It's so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the Jessica Biel one's fairly good. I don't yeah. think it's as great as people say, but I guess in the wake of all those like Platinum Dune remakes that happened, it was one the, of the best ones. Yeah, but it's still like not great. There's some good sequences, and I know I think we talked about that face when he holds up. Um, I can't remember Eric Balfour's like face. Yes, like so brilliant. That's well but, done. Yeah, and Arlie Ermy as like the one family member was like a brilliant the sheriff slash you know family oh. patriarch. Like he was a brilliant choice. That like abuse of power and also like the person who's supposed to save you who doesn't like, that's one of my biggest fears. It's yeah. So, yeah like, and it, that's but like it's so such, good. It's such a great, what they worked in there when you realize, Oh shit, the whole town is in on it. Like that's such a great Oof, horror is, trope. It's one of my greatest fears, man. I think it's just that, that um, betrayal of, of safety and yeah. trust. Like you think something you've, it is just a huge, fear of mine and it's such a great trope in the southern gothic like horror tradition which is like the city person going to somewhere where you're not welcome and then realizing like everybody hates you you're the ultimate outsider like nobody is there to help you oh so creepy Mm -hmm. and do you remember in texas chainsaw massacre next generation that there's a scene where like marilyn burns like gets strolled past yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it is almost like a direct sequel. Like I think it's supposed to take place like right as the other one is taking place because like she's in the hospital. Like I don't know if she's supposed to be like crazy or like have just arrived to the hospital. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, because Texas Chainsaw: The Next Generation. Now that's a movie that's so bad it's good. That's one of those. I knew that because the first time I saw it, that I didn't watch it thinking that. I was just like, oh, I love Renee Zellweger. I love Jerry Maguire. That's how <laughs> I, I was like first introduced. That's how I was first introduced to it too. And I'm like, this is terrible. 
And it, but Matthew McConaughey in one of his like first starring roles as one of the crazed cannibals is just like I talk about Nick Cage like performance. That was just a totally bonkers like so bad <laughs> it's good performance from him. I gotta rewatch it. I'm still a big fan of the first three Texas Chainsaws because of course one is untouchable. It's a classic. Part two is totally insane, but it's a lot of fun just as like a black comedy slasher movie. And then three uh, has its moments. I know there's a lot of detractors for it, but like I always thought three was a pretty good slasher sequel. In the Yeah, new I know line... we talked about that trailer. Yeah, so that, great. from the New Line Cinema School of mm-hmm. slasher sequels. So Yeah, it was like post The House That Freddie Built and it was like, oh, you know, we're going to take on some of these horror movies and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I have not been able to make it all the way through two since I was like a kid. I've tried numerous times and I don't know, like I don't dislike it. I just have never liked it enough to be like, I want to watch this whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like it verges again into so bad it's good territory because it's just so ridiculous. It's not even really scary. It's just bizarre. So definitely a strange cinema Saturday candidate, I think. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see with this new one. I mean, it sounds good. And I like having both Leatherface and Sally be in it and be older. Which seems a whole lot like the Halloween from 2018. Yeah, and I'm wondering if it is going to be like that. Yeah. Because Elsie Fisher from 8th grade is in it, and I love her. She was also in the second season of Castle Rock. She's so good. And I'm just, I'm very intrigued. I'm excited for it. Me too. I love Texas Chains. I never saw the the most most recent which was that one again just titled leatherface yeah i tried all i remember is steven dorf is in it and i like steven dorf but you know i i never got around to seeing that one i know it plays on the sci-fi channel now like all the time so that's like the caliber of movie it was like it does too much of that backstory and it's just like i don't need to know that i don't want to know that Sure. I want to be able to make it up in my mind i know leatherface was crazy that's all i need to know like i don't need his origin story yeah yeah so it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. on the topic of old movies remakes good directors all that darren lynn boozman i think is how you pronounce it again i'm just so bad with names boozman you know bozeman bowsman i don't know bowsman that sounds right what the hell did he direct why am i blanking he was in the saw series right Yep, he directed like Saw 2, the best of the Saws. Yeah. And like uh, a few other, Repo, the genetic opera, which I've never been able to make it all the way through. I'm not a big fan of that one. No, it's interesting because some people really are. I I know some people absolutely love it. For me, it left me cold, but I saw it in like college and that was the only time I was just kind of like- It left you cold? Left me cold, man. I had no like, I was like, I don't get why people are loving this. You know, it's just not that interesting to me. But he did direct Mother's Day, which I am a big fan of, although it's been many a moon. But he like recently like tweeted and he's like, if Spiral is a success, can we please talk about letting me have the Leprechaun franchise and putting a little something something with it? (laughs) So that would be fun. It would be. I love Leprechaun. I know you do. I know it because of you. And that ties into my like what I'd been watching this week for St. Patrick's Day. Which is what? For St. Patrick's Day, I continued my tradition of having a leprechaun marathon over the course of like kind of the night before and then into St. Patrick's Day. So wait, how many are there? Five? There, there's seven or eight, I think, now. Wow, wow. Let me think about it. One, two, three. Then there's In Space, then In the Hood, then Back to the Hood, Leprechaun Origins, and then Leprechaun Returns. There's eight of them. 
How is Leprechaun Returns? That's the most recent, right? I have not gotten to see it. I know it's like a lot of people say it's one of the best sequels, considering. Uh, and there you go again. That's another one where what they did was a direct sequel to the first one and then ignored all oh. the others. So, okay. But yeah, I made it through this year because I remember last year I watched one through four. I was able to last St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Leprechaun 4 is in space. That's where they got crazy. This year, I revisited one and two again, because those are my two favorites. Of course, Leprechaun 1 is just really the best of the series. I mean, the pogo stick scene alone is worth it. And that's saying a lot. Like, it's so, you know, again, so bad. It's good territory. Um, But I like Leprechaun 2 a lot. I saw on the internet, I'm going to die on this hill. I see on the internet a lot of people don't like or even care about Leprechaun 2. I guess it was too similar to the first one because it really is just a very similar plot. They've changed location to LA for some reason. The Leprechaun is in Los Angeles and he's, instead of getting his gold back, he needs a bride for some reason. He's trying to get married and it's hilarity ensues. (laughs) But yeah, a lot of people are like, Leprechaun 2 sucks. And I'm like, I think it's like the next best made movie out of them, like one and two. And then like the rest really are, feel their straight to video like (laughs) roots so come at me guys if you don't tell me that leprechaun 2 is bad is it good whatever i mean the first one has jennifer anson the second one has kimmy robertson so there you go i mean i love her in twin peaks so much and then i re-watched Leprechaun in the Hood. Oh, wow. I bet that's not very culturally appropriate anymore. I was literally going to say Not that it ever probably was. Yeah, uh, watching it with modern eyes. I've not seen it since the days, as Nick the Knife and I talked about, renting it from like the video store and being like, this is absurd and laughing at it. Uh, But now as a grown person and being exposed to, you know, the expanding my mind and understanding the world more these days, you're like, this is really inappropriate. <laughs> a lot of this movie like feels really problematic. Uh, I know it's still got like fans on the internet. I see just cause it's, I, I guess the saving grace is it's so stupid. Like why even take it serious? But you know, anybody out there write to us, you fan, or do you have issues with, is it, what do you feel? Is Am I too sensitive? A leprechaun in the hood is not that problematic or is it super problematic? I've never even seen it. And I can tell you it is. <laughs> <laughs> Though I will give props to Ice-T is one of the uh, leads in it as the character Mac Daddy Onassis. And it, it's, you know, he's he's a parody of like rap moguls of the late 90s, you know, gangster rap record moguls. So it it's a fun performance from him because I'm an Ice-T fan. So that's great. But but most of the movie, it just feels cheap and stupid now. So you're like, oh, man. Yeah, this one didn't. And it's only from like the early 2000s. You're like, this hasn't been that much time and it's already aged horribly. So yeah, it is a, a silly franchise. It but is. People but are- I still I still love that little guy, especially Warwick Davis playing the uh, leprechaun in the uh, classic run of it. So is it just the two most recent that he hasn't been in? Yeah, he the last one he did was back to the hood, which was the sixth movie. Uh, and then he retired from the character. Okay. If I remember too, he he said because uh, he has he had small children at the time, and he wanted to focus on doing more family fare so they could see more of his work because he had kind of been more stuck. things like Willow. Yes. Yeah. And you know some of the Star Wars and Harry Potter's. He's in some of those. So uh, he wanted to focus more on that stuff his children could see instead of doing. Uh, he had gotten stuck doing the horror, the Leprechaun series for quite a while. So he wanted to break out of that. Now, that brings me to an interesting question. 
if you and your wife ever choose to have children, mm -hmm. what kind of parents at this point, I know it probably would all change if it were to actually ever happen, you know, mm -hmm. but like, will you let your kids watch scary movies? Have you ever had that conversation with Sarah? Uh, I think we have. And she's been like, you can't let them watch that stuff. And I was like, oh, it'll get in there somehow. <laughs> They'll see daddy watching it. They'll yeah, hear it, a podcast. Yeah, it, it'll happen. Cause I already own so much. Like I got action figures and little bits of art and stuff of various monsters. So it's going to be around like they're probably going to see it just through osmosis. No, I kind of thought about it. Like, I feel like the way I got broken into it for the most part, like my mom kind of had the right idea where like I got exposed at a really young age first to like Godzilla movies. Uh, the and classics. Then, yeah. Some of the classic, you know, Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff, the stuff that's, you know, very tame by today's standards, but still has like cool monsters in it. So that's how I got obsessed with monsters. Uh, and then as I got older, like my dad, would let me watch stuff on TV I probably shouldn't have seen, like the original Predator and like like as young as I was, or Rawhead Rex was one of them. Things like that where I'm, I was a little bit scared but still intrigued by the monsters. But by the time I was a teenager, I was finding, you know, the hardcore stuff on my own. I had discovered, you know, Texas Chainsaw, mm -hmm. the original, and Evil Dead and stuff like that. So it feels like if I could somehow like give them like, here's the safer monster stuff and then and see they, if they like it. Yeah, if they get into it, and then I will help them explore this universe. It's so interesting because, like, the 80s slashers are, like, really the things that I remember the most from, like, my origin story of getting into horror. And I vividly remember both conversations, one with my sister's friend Bethany back in the day who told me about the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And then my cousin Vicky, who told me about Friday the 13th, like this story. And I remember specific bits that they told me about it that weren't necessarily true, or I imagined them different than they ended up being. Like just watching In Search of Darkness, I was remembering that. Like mm -hmm. I remember that Friday the 13th day, she told me about how like the little boy drowned when his mom was like off at the store getting candy or something is how she like described it, which is not at all like how it happened. Uh -huh. But like, I remember it so vividly of her telling me that, and it's just so weird. And I, I, I also was thinking the other day, I, my first girlfriend when I was in sixth grade, Jessica Taggart, she was a Mormon. And I remember I asked her to go see Silence of the Lambs with me <laughs> in the movie theater. <laughs> and she, her parents would not let her go, shockingly. Uh -huh. And I went by myself <laughs> in sixth grade. Like, wow. I, I think of people and like how like they shelter their kids that are that young and like i just there was no filter on me it's so mm -hmm. weird it yeah it's a crapshoot and i turned out okay <laughs> <laughs> trust me i'm okay no it's funny that you say that too because i remember before i ever even saw texas chainsaw massacre the original i remember probably in like sixth grade maybe in middle school ish somewhere in there i had a buddy that had like you know he had an older brother and older cousins uh, so he like at like a sleepover or whatever they got to they rented Texas Chainsaw Massacre and he saw the original and I remember him relaying it to us like telling us what it was about it sounded like the most brutal movie that ever existed you know like you're thinking of some kind of snuff film like the way he's describing it and then I finally saw it and I'm like it's scary but wasn't like 
I was like, wow, this thing was built up to this even like, uh, you know, if I ever saw it, I would be demented for life after watching it. But like, it's funny. And that and another one I remember too is Candyman when I was in elementary school. Somebody had seen it in like my my grade or whatever and then started telling everybody about it. And we all thought Candyman was like a real thing. Like it became the urban legend from the movie became like a real urban legend. I remember amongst like okay. kids my age. We're like, he was real. And if you say Candyman, you know, what is it? Seven times, something like that. In the mirror, he will is kill it you. Three or five? Is it three? Five. I feel like it's more than three. Five. Let's say it's five. That sounds right. Five. Sure. Yeah, it is five times. We totally like believe that was a real thing. So I mean, had you were you familiar with Bloody Mary before that, or with yeah. Candy? Oh, okay, yeah, I knew a Bloody Mary too, and I I think that's like the child logic. Like, well, Bloody Mary's real, so Candyman must be real too. Like, that must also work. So I need to rewatch Candyman because I didn't like it the first time I saw it, and I don't think that I've ever seen it all the way through since. But I've grown a lot as a person. It was definitely a long time ago, and I. Yeah, I love it. It's like a personal favorite of mine of I'm all really the excited slasher for the second one. movies. I feel like it's it, it uh I remember I remember bits and pieces of it like catching it as a kid, like finally seeing it and just being like this is too scary and I don't think I ever watched the whole thing as like a youngster and then I caught it like later in life and watched it all the way through and I'm like this is a really good It's another Clive Barker if I remember. I believe Clive Barker wrote the original mm-hmm. short story it's based yeah. on so yep so he's just like man Clyde Barker's all over the place with some really underrated films produced off of his work and just in regards to the conversation about kids and horror movies like I just wonder like if you were to pull like a hundred horror movie lovers like how many of them watched movies from the time that they were very young or mm-hmm. who among them weren't allowed to watch them until they were 13, 14, 15, like older. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if there's anything to when you are exposed to them and how great your love for horror is. But sure, I would like a study, please. And thank you. Yeah, that would be great. Because I've known more than a few people, too, that were like, like I had friends in college that were like, I wasn't allowed to watch them as a kid. And like, I'm now discovering like all these horror movies. And that's like, I feel like really where my fandom of certain like my love of like the classic slasher slasher franchises really took off like by the time I was in college because I remember like I had seen you know like the original Halloween uh, and bits and pieces of the sequels you know like growing up on TV and stuff or at people's houses on video but like that for some reason it never clicked with me until I was like older and then all of a sudden I'm like I fucking love this series and franchise now and like really got into it so it's kind of funny how that how you can ebb and flow with things. Mm-hmm. When you think of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the VHS cover, what do you think of? I see the one, like it's like a weird little art drawing of like just Leatherface running with the chainsaw. Like that's the one I see in my head. And I remember that I'm finding it super creepy for some reason too, even though yeah, it's just a simple little- Yeah, I was just little... pulled it up too, because I remember it from Kmart as a kid that they mm-hmm. had it for like $5 or something, one of those cheapo VHSs. And it is like her eyes like behind him. But yeah, yeah, that's it. And then he's like running and he is so scary looking. Yes. I mean, because Leatherface is the most frightening of all the masked killers, like a hundred percent. No doubt. I agree. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's like a it's like a brown paper bag with hair. Like it is so eerie. It is so frightening looking. Yeah. And yeah, that VHS cover is the main one. And then the ones that I remember seeing from the video store is like the woman's hanging on the hook and he's sort of turned away from her, like starting yeah. like the chainsaw up. That's yeah. like the secondary one. Yeah. And I never would have put it together that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 poster is an homage to the, to the Breakfast Club, Club. yeah. Without In Search of Darkness. I just never saw that. Oh, wow. Head. That's funny. I yeah. never put that together. Yeah. Cause I like jumped on that like at some point. That for me was one of those discoveries. I literally like did it at the video store where I like I picked up the Breakfast Club and walked over to the <laughs> Texas Chainsaw 2. And I was like, oh my God, that's what that is. That's awesome. Yep. That's very clever, and I, I love it. Love mm-hmm. it. Oh, it's fantastic. Did you watch anything else this week? Nothing's coming to mind, but I did w- notice. So I was on Netflix, and it's funny how Netflix can now dictate like what's popular, like with old movies, like uh, the, the way you know things cycle through there. Because I kept seeing, right now, Jason X is on Netflix, uh, mm-hmm. and it keeps popping up in my trending or popular on and I'm like, man, I wonder how many people are watching Jason X now. I assume probably because it's just name recognition. You're like, oh, Jason, Friday the 13th, I'll watch this. But it, I just find it fascinating with these streaming services. Like, there are probably more people now with eyes on Jason X than ever were when it originally came out. Or like, because it really is just, you know, one of the lesser of the series. I don't even think it made that much oh, yeah. money when it originally came out, but now it's probably very widely seen. And it's funny to think how, I think we had this conversation a while back where I was talking about Logan's run for some reason. It was on like Netflix once and became super popular again for a minute. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's weird to watch like these more obscure movies from Europe's past, like suddenly you get revitalized seemingly. It really is. I mean, I'd rather Jason X than Knock Knock any day, which was one of our other combos. Yeah, sure. Get that out of there. Like, Jason like, X, okay, we'll talk about that. But Yep. Was it the first of, like, the horror and space movies? Because there's been that and Leprechaun. I feel like there's other ones that they've, like, taken a franchise into space. So, Jason X came out in 2001, and Leprechaun 4 in space came out in 1996. So Oh, it did? Yeah, Leprechaun 4 oh, beat God, them I to t- space. Totally thought Jason came before that. That's hilarious. And let's see Hellraiser. Right. Uh, and Hellraiser Bloodline, which is also the one where they're in space. That also came out in 1996. So Leprechaun and Hellraiser went to space the same year. Wow. Weird. I can't believe it was five years before Jason X. That's yeah. insane. They're late to the party. Yeah. Sure I'm sure are. there's some other space horrors too I'm not thinking about. But like those are the three. And I think I remember... I heard somewhere that there's an abandoned Halloween sequel where I think they talked about putting Michael Myers in space as well. So don't do it. Yeah. Well, beautiful. Well, um, let's see. Shall we share our scares with each other? That sounds wonderful. You go first this week. I sure the fuck do. And I'm giving you one that, you know what? I'm, I like to give you movies that I think you're going to enjoy. So that's what I'm doing yet again. Well, thank you. That's where we differ. It is. I'm trying to. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really testing your metal because this week I'm, I've decided I am giving you something that is going to test the, the bounds uh, of our friendship. Oh, brother. <laughs> I am giving you another one of my favorites from 2020 because that's, you know, what I want to do. And I'm giving you the Mortuary Collection. Oh, Cool. I heard that this is good. I know that, what do I know? 
this is recent. Isn't the Shutter did this maybe, or it's on Shutter perhaps, or am I crazy? I think it no, is. No, I think you're right. Okay, I know this is an anthology uh, in the vein of Tales from the Crypt or Creep Show, something like that. So I think I'm going to see some fun little morality horror stories. I'll go with my usual hilarity ensues. I'm sure I'll find <laughs> something funny in here. Uh, and I do remember hearing that Clancy Brown, who is a character actor I am a big fan of, is the like crypt keeper of the whole thing, like telling the stories. So I bet you maybe he'll come in in and out as like an inter weaving thing like he might pop up in a story or something here or there as a supporting character in these stories but that's what i think it is i think we'll get some varying tales maybe three or four who knows of supernatural hijinks and fun i think you're gonna really like it i'm just saying it now cool i'm excited to watch it what are you gonna torture me with i am going to torture you i was looking at the list and i was gonna go a totally different direction but then i saw this one name pop out at me on the list where i'm like i just need to get this over with i'm gonna give a shout out to jess from detroit strange podcast yes jess uh, she is a fan of the ice cream man i'm uh, so excited and this uh, is what i'm giving you and uh, believe me dude it is going to be a wild ride for you i'm so excited i feel like it's from the 90s or the early 2000s but it's one of those bad direct to vhs movies i can't even imagine what the killer's like i don't know if he's like a monster or just like a bad man when I think of this movie, I think of like that Jack Frost movie, like I think, of, or whatever it was called. Like I think of that era of just like bad direct to video, mm -hmm. like cash cows, where it probably did real well for the amount of money they spent on it. And I imagine that someone, you know, something, I'm going to just say he's a person, like a real person. And I feel like some, you know, someone, did something bad to him maybe he was locked in a in a freezer when he was a young boy and he's seeking revenge on like the the people who locked him in there and then the neighborhood where the that those people's kids reside a la nightmare on elm street and i he feeds them you know ice cream with razor blades and um rat poison this just sounds like a like a, a true crime sort of thing so um, but that's what I'm going with. And hilarity also ensues, um, just in a different way. And the neighborhood takes him down in the end. I imagine there's more adults than kids, but I wish he was like killing kids in it, but I doubt that's gonna happen. Maybe a little bit. Well, <laughs> we'll see how you feel. This could go, this is what I will tell you, it could go either way. Cause this is a movie that like is either beloved as like a cult you know oddity because it is definitely a strange cinema saturday type of movie like uh and then some people are just like it's just bad so we'll see <laughs> how you feel about it so well i am so excited the ice cream man or maybe right. it's just i think the title is actually just ice cream man with no you the, are correct but, yeah but, 1995 ice cream man i just looked up the poster and he's going yeah yeah well, that's <laughs> it's that's such a weird like why would you not title the movie the ice cream man because that seems so natural to put in front of it but i don't know it does yeah it is weird well cool i'm not gonna read it i'm not gonna read the plot i want to be surprised be surprised see if it was on my site I, so. I think i think you're in for a ride too because it's 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 different so well we're about to see if mine and jess's um aesthetics uh align so yep we'll find out all right well i can't wait we'll see you back here to talk about them soon see you 
in a minute in podcast time. That's right. Here we go. Take it away, Nick the Knife. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Okay, we're back. Yes, we are. We're back to tell you we love you. That's not true. I mean, we do. I mean, maybe we do. I don't know. I think we're. Well, I do. We're back to freak you out, to scare the pants off of you. Ooh, scurry. Or at least with these movies, hopefully they scared you. They were more fun. I would. No, say. these are fun. not. These are not scary. <laughs> uh, all that scary, either of them. Just fun movies. So you take it away. You you have I do. first up. So I don't know if it's because it came out during the pandemic or what, but there's no like tagline for the Mortuary Collection. So mm. come up with one. The description is: In the phantasmagorical town of Raven's End, a misguided young girl takes refuge in a decrepit old mortuary. The eccentric undertaker chronicles the strange history of the town through a series of twisted tales, each more terrifying than the last. But the young girl's world is unhinged when she discovers that the final story is her own. <laughs> Ruin the ending, movie description. <laughs> I mean, if you've uh, seen one, you know, compilation, not compilation, you've seen one anthology movie, you've seen them all, or have you? Ooh, this was great. I had a lot of fun watching this. This, uh, right off the bat, like, I, I wasn't sure what I was in for, because tonally, at the start of it, it almost reminded me of, like, uh, a real, like, slick-looking, like, Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark kind of movie with the little kid. Yeah, yep. with the little kid riding his bike around town and he gets scared away by the mortician. Yes, if anyone has seen um, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, <laughs> it starts off very similarly mm. with like a cute little Asian boy, newspaper boy, like going around town, except for in this one, he wasn't singing Barbara Streisand. And if you haven't seen Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, you should check it out because it is hilarious. Awesome, will do. But yeah, the beginning, have you, did you ever watch Amazing Stories back in the day? Yes. Yeah. I wrote down at the beginning, I'm like, this reminds me of Amazing Stories. Yeah. One of those, like it, it, it had a vibe where I was thinking like tonally, is this going to be like kind of aimed at not children, but like have a teen flavor to it. And very quickly it does not. Like as soon as the stories start, you're like, oh no, 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 this is hard, like gore and horror and stuff like that. But so it's why like, I stayed away from it for a while because- it did look like that just in like the little bits I'd seen, but then yeah. I kept reading everywhere how good it was. So I was like, I'll give it a try. And then I was delightfully surprised that it is like gory. Yeah. So then maybe I was thinking like, perhaps they were aiming for the people like me who grew up watching Goosebumps, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Amazing stories, more family friendly, like aimed at young young people. And then we're like, but we're going to give you the adult stuff too. We're going to give you the gloss, the sheen of uh, an anthology you might remember, a horror anthology type show you remember from your childhood. But 
scare it up quite a bit. And how do you know Clancy Brown? I know that his name came up before and you knew yeah. exactly who he was. Oh God. Yeah. And he did not disappoint as always. I was, I loved it. He was great. I do want to say off the bat, his character in this one reminded me so much of Angus Scrim's character, the tall man from the Phantasm series. Yeah. Uh, that I was like, you know what? When they remake Phantasm, have Clancy Brown play the mm. tall man. That would be perfect. But uh, Clancy Brown, he's just one of those, like he's a pretty prolific character actor. Uh, I know him just from all the stuff my parents watched growing up. And he was one of the faces I started like recognizing because he was the the main bad guy, the Kurgan in the original Highlander movie, um, which was a favorite of the Rusk household when I was growing up. So he was very scary in that movie. Okay. And he was in Shawshank Redemption. He's the head guard at the prison. Okay. So, you know, a lot of a lot of bad guys usually. Uh, but he is also the voice of Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob SquarePants. So I'm sure a whole section of our any of our uh listeners that are of that age <laughs> to have been into SpongeBob. I know him from the Goldbergs. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so he definitely does lots of different things. Yeah, he's television movies, he's done it all. I bet you he's a stage guy too, if I were to look it up. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised, but he's done a little bit of everything. Pretty prolific. Uh, he was also in a, uh, I was reading a list of his best roles because I looked him up online real quick. I'm like, what are, what are the top Clancy Brown performances? And they had in there his bit in the movie, John Dies at the End, if you have ever seen that. I've not, but I've heard it's good. It's, I like it a lot. So I might have to throw that one on the list. Uh, it's very weird. Very fun. But he's in there and like a fun little character that I forgot all okay. about. And I was like, oh, yeah, Clancy Brown is in that. And he was hilarious. He's got one of the best lines in the movie. So, And the music in this is so good. I love the Oh, music. yeah, that was real cool. The Mondo Boys did the music. I don't know who they are, but I wrote them down. The Mondo Boys. Sounds like a fun group. Yeah. I uh, also wanted to shout out to uh, his name is Barrick Hardley. He was the husband in the... Uh, Short story about the the dying wife or the catatonic Loved wife. Love him. He's so yeah. good. I recognized him uh, as soon as I saw him. I'm like, I know that guy. What movie? What movie have I seen him in? Uh, and he was in a flick called The Last Lovecraft some years back, which was like this horror comedy, like low budget. It was a you know making fun of H.P. Lovecraft, and he was like my favorite part. Of, he plays like this comic book like horror nerd in that movie. Uh, and he was a riot in it. And I was like, that's what I remember him from. Like, I like this guy. I want to see him in more things. I love, I thought him and the guy who played Jake in what I'm calling the pregnancy section. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought the two of them were so dreamy in very different ways. One's like a hot jock and one's like a, a, a sexy bear. But mm -hmm. I loved the two of them so much. I was like, And yes. that, that pregnancy one, dude. Oh, my yeah. God. By the end of that, I was like, "Is eh, dick's gonna blow up?" Love a good. <laughs> we like a good dick mutilation, you know. That's you in particular do. I can't seem to get away from them, man. They <laughs> seem to be in like just random movies we keep watching and talking about. So they follow yeah. you everywhere. Yeah, that's another great one for the books. Uh, another dick explosion. And yeah, oof, cringe-inducing. So I named all of them except for, I just realized that one of them I don't have a name for, so maybe you can name it. And that was before I started naming them. I called number one, the wraparound story. <laughs> maybe okay. just the wraparound. And yep. then number two was the bathroom. The, the reach-around story. 
the reach around. Oh, there we go. <laughs> number three I have is the pregnancy. Number four is the elevator. And number five is the babysitter. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. did read that the last one, not the reach around, but the the last one within the stories, he actually did a short called The Babysitter Murders. And it's almost, if not exactly what's in that. the movie. I watched the trailer and it's like, everything like all the little scenes there's one scene of her like kissing the little boy like on the head and i'm near positive that doesn't happen in that segment i don't think you ever see her with the little boy but everything else looked exactly like pulled from the movie but he's not done any other full length films and i mean here it is full length but it's all of his short movies Mm -hmm. but i'm excited to see what he does because i find him like a very exciting filmmaker Oh, absolutely. And if I remember correctly, The Babysitter Murders is what the movie Halloween was originally titled. So that's got to be a nerd, you know, uh, call out to the hardcore nerds out there that are like, oh, yeah. And it's playing with the conventions of the original Halloween and slashers like that, which Mm -hmm. that had such a good twist at the end. Like, I, I loved it. And have you ever seen there's a short called Night of the Slasher? That was like big in the the scene a a little while ago. I'm going to have to show it to you. Yeah. Um, It's a lot of fun and it it sort of plays with tropes as well. Mm -hmm. But it was all the rage and I I really like it. I've seen it. Mm, I've showed it to people more times than I can count. But yeah, the director's name is Ryan Spindal. And I just think he's so good. Like such a nice, like just very stylish and lavish. Very... Uh, impressive debut film then if this was his first feature length like wow Um, I love the sense of self-awareness too in there for an anthology movie where uh, the first story watching it the squid in the medicine cabinet that like you know as she refers to it like okay an octopus in the medicine cabinet like after that one ended it was short but after it ended I was like that seemed real, like, kind of basic. Like, what was all the rage about this movie? And then they literally make fun of that, the characters yeah. in the movie, where they're like, that was a little lame uh, mm-hmm. when he's telling the story. And I was like, okay, awesome. This movie's in on the joke. Like, it's here to uh, play with us like that. So as the movies go, or as the stories go, you know, they're going to keep twisting and playing with formulas more and more. Yeah, which was your favorite of the stories? Oh, my favorite. Like, I actually really enjoyed the the, ra- the wraparound, the reach around, if you will, <laughs> story the most, uh, I think, out of all of them. And I loved the ending where it was the twist. And the babysitter murders was very good, too. I loved that ending, the twists on the twist, because you had the twist within the babysitter murder story that, like, she was the killer. Uh, and then you're like, oh, my God, she's the one that's there talking to the mortician. Montgomery Dark. What a great name. Such a good name. And then she stabs him. And you're like, oh, OK, Psh, you know, she's evil. She's going to get out of here. But then he's like, nope, doesn't work. Sorry, you're trapped here now. And I was like, oh, I love these twists on twists where it just keeps twisting. Like the tables keep turning. It got me thinking, like, I wondered if he was someone in one of the stories. Mm-hmm. Like not he himself, Clancy Brown, the actor, but, but if yeah. him as like a character, like she was, but I sure. couldn't figure out who that would have been. And I feel like there would have been more clues to it. Yeah, I think so too. But, but I liked the idea and I loved all the like intersecting people yeah. and such. Like I think in the very first scene in the bathroom or the first story, 
I think that when she was looking at the wallet, I think that she looked like I think she had the idea of like the doctor or yes. someone. Yeah, right? I like how, yeah, I like how the doctor, the doctor in, kept popping. He up. was in every story, which was great because he was um, the father of the little boy, right? Yeah, in the last one, okay. yeah, he's That's the father of the little boy, and he was you know found out the dude was pregnant at the college and. Yeah. He advised the guy to kill his wife. I also loved in that one too when the guy calls. I love that trope of like he calls and he's like, I gave her the pills, but then she like woke up, but now she's dead. And he's like, Oh shit, like those are zombie pills, dude. Like get rid of her, you know, or whatever. Like that realization was. Cause that's what I was thinking. He's like, Oh, is that what he was because I thought he was just like, Oh, well, no, I mean, if you if she died some other way besides the pills, you're gonna get caught and you're fucked. Oh no, he was just like, throw the body in the ocean and hope the sharks eat it. Like, get rid of it. Because I was like, the way he said, she did what? Because he was like, he knew oh, that that I was didn't a possibility. Take it like, that. like oh, that's okay. how that's how I took it. Was like, he knew it was a possibility that she was going to like, freak out and come back. That was the creepiest part was when she comes out of the trunk and like yeah. that ghost face. Like, that is so creepy to me with like that stretched out mouth, kind of like the girl in the ring when they open mm-hmm. up the closet. That great scare. Yeah. Oh, like, just yeah. like that creepy, like uh, inhuman stretched out face. I think that segment's my favorite. I think it's so good. Yeah. Oh, man. You keep making me like I keep rethinking it now as I talk about all of them because they were all very solid. Um, and that Arctic hair, man, I was just thinking like, oh, poor Arctic hair. Did you see that that was going to happen? Like when you saw the hair, like I wondered knowing it now, I couldn't remember if I saw that coming or not, but it's so good. Like her head just goes down. You don't even necessarily think it right at first. Yes. And then then there's like the double whammy. (laughs) You're like, oh, that's in her fucking head now. Um, Oh, and all those hairs just like they keep like zooming up on them, (laughs) like staring. They're so creepy. Oh God, yeah. No, it was just it was it was wild, man. And also that TV smash and the babysitter murders when she smashes oh, his face, his and you head? like see it from like inside, inside the TV yeah, the screen. And I was like, that's brilliant. That was a really cool shot right there. Um, and also that moment too, where they, of course, they pick the TV up and like, who is it? It's the babysitter. And then you're like, Whoa, what? Yeah, yeah, the record, the record skip, and you're like, oh God. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, uh, that was great. I did not know what was going on in this story until right this minute. Oh my god, it was just a lot of fun. Like this is just a gushy kind of <laughs> uh, review here for this one because this was just cool. Like, and I think we talked about it before. Like I feel like lots of anthology films are somewhat uneven because they almost always are a bunch of different directors. Like it's mm-hmm. like that's how they're set up. So inevitably someone's is going to be stronger than another person's but you can just tell here that they're all consistently made it's no surprise to find out that the same director did all of them yeah and i think what also what makes this stronger is it's cohesive as a movie as a whole uh because you have the the plot of the storytellers going on and they weave in the stories themselves as part of like they're telling each other's stories and i think that just kind of makes the whole stronger. Cause I was trying to think like, what are some of the great anthology movies? Like maybe creep show. Uh, Tales where, from the dark side. 
Yeah, but even Creep Show, like when I think back to it, like the last story or so is just like I don't remember. You is that know. the cockroaches? That's the cockroaches one, which everyone remembers. Like the guy explodes and cockroaches come out of him. But like as a whole, that segment's really weak. You know, like towards the end where you're like, I've already watched some good ones, and it kind of is like they decline in quality as that movie goes. Yeah, the last time I watched it, it felt so long. Yeah, and I think part of it is just the episodicness of it because that movie doesn't have like a. I mean, there's the segments of the abusive dad with the son, but it doesn't like reading the comic books, but it doesn't have like a story engulfing all the other stories. It's just kind of like an episodic, like, and then this one, and then this one, and then this one. So I feel like it makes it a little more uneven um, when you do that, when you're just like, it's just segment after segment. Like, what's that one? The ABCs of death. You ever watched that? I've where, seen them both. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, th- those are like overkill to me. Like, I can't say I'm a big fan of those I as mean, there's movies. There's so many of them. There's so many, and like only a few of them are really good. Sorry, hot take. Only like a few of them are really like worth watching. I think that that's a fairly consistent vibe. Most of, most of them are terrible. So it's like, now that's like the worst way to do an anthology, I think. But yeah, I think that's how they nailed the formula here is like, it's all actually one story and it, it works. They work. They clearly spent time crafting it. Your wife and I did a show in college. Um, it was a devised piece that we did called That Death Show. Oh. And it, we sort of, it was sort of like the ABCs of death. Like we went through each letter and did like B is for bacon, fry too long or whatever. I'm just, that's the only one that came to mind. Like some of them were very funny and some were very serious. Like mine, like that I sort of created was M is for Matthew Shepard. And like, it was sort of like a fantasy sort of thing of how he envisioned, like he would meet these cowboys and they would like take him away. It was like Dixie Chick sang in the background and he danced and stuff. But some of them were like silly and some of them were like horrific and some of them had like blood all over the place. But it was like each one was about death. And it was it was a really cool show. It's probably one of the my favorite things I did in grad school. And mm. it was um a lot of fun. Well, that sounds like a cool anthology. You would have enjoyed it. Oh, I'm sure opinion. I would have. I'm always asking her, like, I want to see more shows with like blood and guts over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like anthology films. I think part of it is like you can the time commitment can be as little as or as long as you want it to be like you can just be like i have i am in the mood for one or two stories yeah and this this movie that's kind of and kind of i mean literally that's how i did it i watched this over the course of two nights but the uh like uh, you know the episodicness of it it was easy to break like you know after the first couple of stories and be like and i'll watch the rest you know tomorrow and then that's how i uh consumed this one and I was like that was perfect so your assumptions on what it was were of course right on anthology film fun little morality horror stories precisely hilarity ensues it was it had funny darkly humorous moments so yes that there would be interweaving supporting characters supernatural hijinks and fun and that Clancy Brown is the crypt keeper I mean you nailed it I nailed it Hashtag nailed it. Yes. Thank you. So Thank you. out of five exploding peni, how would you, <laughs> many would you give this? Uh, I give this four exploding peni. Nice. That's what mm-hmm. I gave it. And that's what I hoped in my mind you would give it. Cool. Solid flick. Well, we're right on. Yeah. This one's highly recommended guys. Check it out. If you've not yes. seen it from both of us, it gets the chef's kiss. Mwah! 
Seal Mwah, of approval. Indeed. Seal right. of approval. Scaring is sharing. That's a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a Sasquatch Slim guarantee. A scare of approval. That's it. Scare of approval. TM, TM, TM. Scare of approval. No, do you not take it from us? We will sue you. <laughs> we are moving on now to the Ice Cream Man. And to start off, let me read the description Yeah, There's a little tagline that goes, I scream, you scream, we all scream for the dot, dot, dot. And then you're supposed to say, I scream, man, because it's on the, you know, the poster. There. <laughs> so anyway, the description is, young Gregory Tudor sees his local ice cream man murdered and later grows up to inherit his business, opting to inject gruesome ingredients, including human body parts, into the frozen confections. When one of the neighborhood boys goes missing, the local kids suspect Gregory and band together to get to the bottom of things. Oh, boy. That's what <laughs> happened. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. This I, movie. I could not stop laughing rewatching this. I, was I like, wish I could watch it with you. Yeah, this is a midnight movie with the friends. With some marijuana. Yeah, or whatever you got, man. Whatever you got. <laughs> Hashtag movie I wish I would have watched when I was stoned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so go ahead. What are your first impressions? Um, um, that, and my second impression is poor Olivia Hussey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like I like she was like tenth in like the cast list or something. Like I was barely paying attention. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Did that say Olivia Hussey? And then she comes out in her fucking like costume, and I was like, oh, poor thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, what bet did she lose that she had to do the ice cream man? Yeah, so hard not to call it the ice cream man. It's got freaking David Warner is the the reverend the dad of the one girl and like he is a serious you know like he's another character actor you've probably seen in a million television yes. series and movies but he's also like a respected shakespearean like you know british actor and it's like okay like how did he he needed a paycheck real quick like and they're like come do this movie for like <laughs> a minute you've got poor jan michael vincent as the lead cop in here okay. and it, you know if you're unfamiliar people jan michael vincent was like a huge freaking star back in the day he was in uh what was it um airwolf the television series he was the star of airwolf uh in the 80s which like the you know, air i breathe and a wolf maybe? yeah you know it was like a i think it was like a helicopter or something the airwolf itself okay. in the show it was like a military you know like action adventure television series but like it was big uh and he was a big star uh that cratered super hard super quickly like he had legendary drinking and substance abuse problems and in this movie he was clearly drunk out of his mind the entire time because every time <laughs> he has to deliver a line it's just something like well, you watch out for that ice cream man and there's a couple of times where he literally just mumbles like those are, i'm like that wasn't that was supposed to be a line as he's walking away, but he literally just mumbled and walked out of the scene. So yeah, he did this movie after the first of three horrible car accidents, drunk driving accidents he was in, because I was doing the, the math on there about when this movie was made and stuff. So like, they got him, and it's just sad that he was just a walking corpse, essentially, through this movie. God, man. But Clint Howard, he really goes for it. 
as that ice cream. I mean, let me tell you. I mean, that's commendable, I suppose. It's the only thing that doesn't like totally kill the movie. I just hate how over like beating you over the head the Pied Piper references. Like I'm like, yeah, got it. it. I yeah. got it. Yeah. Like he sh- someone should have just been reading it at some point and it never like, but they had to keep bringing it up to be like, hey, do you remember we were this is a Pied Piper sort of like parallel. Yeah. <laughs> got it. And the kids. They put that kid in a fat suit, right? He his yes, face okay. was skinny and then he looked <laughs> like he was blown up with a balloon. I couldn't stop laughing as soon as I saw him. Because <laughs> I forgot about that character entirely. How could I? He's one of the main characters. Tuna! That Tuna's just the fat kid. Like, but he's a normal sized, like, preteen boy that they used, but they put like a pillow up his shirt, clearly. And they're like, clearly. And they're like, be the fat kid now. It's his name. I'm like, hello, representation. Give us chubby boys some work. Like, there, seriously, there wasn't a chubby boy. What, that kid from the Sandlot, the redhead kid wasn't available? Like, what the fuck? But also the fact that. They keep making a point of like, look, he's fat. All he does is eat ice cream. But it has nothing to do with the story other than to just fat shame this character. Like, And like, if, he can't keep up. Yeah, exactly. If that was going to be a thing, though, like later in the movie, though, where it was like, I wish I didn't eat all that ice cream because now I can't escape the ice cream. But that was never a problem. It never played like a part in the plot other than for them to make fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Uh, this movie is almost troll two level but it's just it's held back it's held back because it has too much competence still in the filmmaking yeah i wish it went like i'm like if trauma had had their hands on this it would have been beautiful yeah yeah because it doesn't quite go there enough for me to like be like oh this is so much fun if i was high with some friends probably it would but like just watching it stone cold sober late at night when I'm a little tired is not helping that matter. Like I'm like, Jesus Christ. There's a moment too, where I was just thinking about how freaking surreal it is, which is when Clint Howard, the ice cream man, Gregory pops in the window of his nurse that lives next door or whatever. And that woman's (laughs) clearly not old. She's supposed to be playing an old nurse. Poor Olivia Hussey. in, In the, in the, you know, most, unconvincing old woman get up ever Ever. Uh, and and the weird music is playing and the dialogue is also stilted for a minute i was like this is like a demented mr rogers neighborhood segment or like something out of that peppermint park show that mike mcgettigan keeps making us watch on strange cinema saturdays that's kind of what i was like it's almost there it like if it just got a little more like if the directors knew a little bit less what they were doing, which I already was just like watching this movie again, thinking this was made by people who I don't think have ever actually seen a movie. (laughs) (laughs) No, less a horror movie. (laughs) No, less a horror movie. So yeah. Because no kids ever died, right? It was always adults. No kids, only adults. David Naughton though, his head on the ice cream cone. Oh my God. I wrote down, that was my favorite part. That was, it looked so good. Yeah, and as I understand it too, I don't know if it's the original prop or at least a replica, but Clint Howard has that. So if you meet him at like a horror convention, you can get a picture with him with the 
with that yeah. prop. And I wish like, there would have been of more course. of that. Like I liked that. I liked like the the cop like biting down on the eyeball and all of that. Oh shit. Sure. Like I enjoyed that stuff and I wish there would have just been more of that. Which like if it was a trauma movie, there would have been like all of that. You know? But like then there's like them going to that like in asylum. I was like, oh like I just was like, please let it be over. <laughs> the asylum sequence it's so again, it's sorry, pointing to like, yep, Jan Michael Vincent's clearly on something. Like the scene of him just walking down the hallway <laughs> <laughs> with no sense of urgency while all these maniacs are gathering around him. And it goes on for like minutes of just him like slowly, like, I was like, what's he even doing? I forgot he's trying to escape, I guess. But it's just yeah, that's so, just the weirdest. There's thing. no urgency, and it's just really surreal of him just like shoving past all the people that are the patients and the like. Everything is crazy, and part of that is I got a lot of info for you. The director, producers, like the people that made this movie, they were they did only pornos before this. They were interesting porn production company that was just like we need to make a low budget horror movie. So they found a script, which was the Ice Cream Man. Ice Cream Man. Ice Cream Man. Not no, the. the. Just Ice Cream Man. You are correct. Because the guy who wrote it, they bought a script. The script was written by a couple of like film school students. One of the guys that wrote this was David Dobkin is his name. And he went on to direct Fred Claus and Wedding Crashers. Oh. So this was the first is movie. Is Fred Claus a horror movie? Fred Claus is the uh, one where Vince Vaughn is Santa Claus's brother. Oh. Fred Claus. Yeah, it's Gross. it's not great. Uh, but yeah, no, that guy, you know, he started here. He wrote it as a college student. Some porn producers bought the script from them uh, and then created this movie. Clint Howard was like available, you know, because this was <laughs> at, like one of his dry spells as like uh, an actor. Really. What is he known for? I don't know that I've seen him. Other than, you know, being Ron Howard's brother. Uh, no, okay. Clint, Clint Howard is, uh, he was a big child star, uh, just like Ron Howard was. Uh, Clint Howard was in uh, Gentle Ben, the original television series. He was the- Never he, heard of it. Gentle Ben? Hmm. You don't know that one? The little boy that's no. friends with the bear? That's Ben. No. Okay, I we'll know look Napoleon it up. and Samantha with Jodie Foster. Okay, well, Gentle Ben, it, it's probably something your parents watched because it's like, you know, it's boomer television. But yeah, and he, you know, he was in uh, some, he was in Star Trek and some science fiction stuff as a as a child star. And then he okay. kind of, then he just kind of turned into a weird character actor as he got older because he's really good at playing those maniac characters, so. Yeah, yeah. I thought the most, in, in a movie full of these moments of head-scratching bits, mm -hmm. those cops are like visiting them and they say those daisies are excellent and i'm like what are you talking about they're like pinwheel daisies oh that like, also that recurring thing where like i was like i don't know if that's supposed to be funny because they're not yeah. delivering it like sarcastically but right like, yeah i don't know if it's just a lack of nuance on the part of the actors or, or and then small like, paul looked like macaulay culkin in my girl oh like god 100%. yeah he did yeah he did uh, and so small Paul's just crazy at the end, I guess he just fucking and I, the ice I, I cream, saw man. that coming, but I also like, it was just, there was, I know looking for logic, but yeah. like, he seemed totally content with the ice cream man. Like, you know, he was like 
all in for like there were numerous times where he could have escaped and he didn't gregory would be showing him things and he was all happy about it and i also wish i would have set that up like he had a bad family life because he didn't uh-huh. right it was the daughter that had the bad family life with like her religious dad and the mom yeah. who spoke in tongues and stuff sure yeah if that they barely touch on like the, like the kids are the main characters but they're so underdeveloped it's just insane but then i'm just like like small paul deciding that he needs to kill the gregory to like save his friends i'm like there, there was never that shift there like he no. just he loved being with gregory and then all of a sudden he kills him and then all of a sudden he is him again like it's like oh my god also there is a moment where the one boy, so not the girl, not Small Paul, and not Tuna, the last, the fourth boy, who I guess when I looked it up, the character's name is Johnny? Because I'm is pretty he the sure. the one that was in the playground in the beginning. Yeah, they never say that name in the movie at all. But the character is called Johnny, but there's a scene where they're at the dinner table, you know, and his older brother's making fun of Tuna. Like the mom is calling him a different name. I swear to God, than Johnny, because I was like, "What is that character's name?" Because I like, I think she calls him Racer in that scene, and I'm like, Racer. <laughs> and then the brother is like talking about like Tuna. That's a dumb name. What do you think, Racer? And I'm like, What about Racer? It's not a name either. What is going on? That is bizarre. And but yeah, but he's called Johnny when you look up the character, and the and I'm like, Was there like? an error somewhere like in a different draft of the script he was called something else and they messed that up i don't know and also so weird when they're in the grocery store and like tuna's being like stalked by the ice cream man mm-hmm. and like you're in a crowded grocery store like you can go up to absolutely anyone and say there's a creeper yeah, trying to somebody, grab me but instead me. he hides and yeah. And then after he finally tells the cops, the cops go to check out Gregory and they don't arrest him. They don't look in his van. Like, <laughs> hello, he drives around in the ice cream van and you're not even going to, that wouldn't be the first place you check when you pull up. And you don't even say like, we, we need to question you. You just show up and tear apart the ice cream parlor or whatever. Like, I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> there's, there's also a scene too when the kids follow him to the cemetery and he's like putting the ice cream out for the dead ice cream man but like and the cops just sit there yeah that's what i was gonna say the cops are staking it out but they (laughs) just sit there and he goes into the cemetery with a garbage bag and i'm like and then they see the kids too right they see the kids go in yeah and they just are just like they "Hmm." just sit there watching like oh and i was like yeah well they are terrible cops as we saw throughout this whole movie and the kids are like, I love how they're called the Rocketeers, like right off the bat. They're just like, we're the Rocketeers. And you're like, what is this? <laughs> That's so true. Matching berets when they go out at night and you're like, uh-huh. what, what is this? This is the, you know, the French resistance or something like what is happening? Yeah, this is right before Scream. So it makes sense. Like, I think there was just that time in the 90s when horror was not good. No. I mean, not that this was mainstream. It obviously was direct-to-video. But, like, it just... Like, bad horror now, I think, is probably better than this. But I guess I don't know. I try not to watch it, but... Yeah, this movie, too, like, I know of it because it had a life in the late 90s on television. And, in fact, I saw this on uh, Joe Bob Briggs when he was on TNT... Uh, hosting Monster Vision, he played this and had Clint Howard on as a guest <laughs> to talk about it. And it's like, that was a lot of fun. 
Now I have the, there was a Blu-ray done of this by Vinegar Syndrome, who is a pretty great label that does like. That's the one I watched at the end. It showed Vinegar Syndrome. Oh, great. Yeah. So that's, uh, they do really great transfers of all these things like this cult, weird, bizarre movies that they're saving and putting out there. But on the disc, there's this awesome interview with Clint Howard. Uh, all about this movie, like everything you'd want to know. And he's got some real candid stuff where he's he was talking about like they made this movie like they wanted to do a horror movie, but at the same time, a kid's movie to try and like they thought they were going to corner both markets. And instead, he's like they ended up just taking a dump on both genres because <laughs> he's like, I'm not sure they knew uh, if they'd ever seen a horror movie. And I'm not sure they'd ever seen a kid's movie either because they don't nail either in this. That makes so much sense. They tried to meld them together. So yeah, this is like, it it seems like everybody involved was self-aware to a point because they also had like an interview with the director of this. uh, Except the kids. I don't think the kids had any idea what the fuck they were doing. No, they were just bad child actors. But Mm -hmm. uh, the director was talking about how like, he's like, yeah, as we were making it, we were just trying to like, get it made that was the only concern was actually finishing the movie so he's like so as it went on we realized we really created a farce more than anything uh by the end of it but it's kind of like okay they kind of like clint howard really embraces this role in this movie because he said like he had in the interview so many times he's like oh and this is a piece of crap like this movie it's not a good movie but he's like but i've met so many fans that for whatever reason this movie touched them or you know means something special to them that he's like, I've just kind of embraced it. And like, that's great that there's people out there that love it. So, so Jess, if you're out there listening in the dark, I know you like this movie. I know you've recommended we do it. I'm glad I watched it, but I'm not a fan, (laughs) (laughs) but I am a fan. Uh, This is like, this to me is, it's not in my upper echelon, which would be like plan nine from outer space. Uh, troll two of like the great bad movies but this is definitely like if you were to ever revisit this you got to do it with an audience of people that are like cracking on the movie as it's playing and that's like a lot of fun because that's how i've watched this in the past is with my buddies and we just like thought it was a riot watching this movie so yeah it's a buddy flick yeah out of uh five uh heads (laughs) severed heads on an ice cream cone uh are you giving it I would give it two. All right. Not too bad. I was thinking like yeah. a one, you know, something like that. <laughs> this is one of those movies too, where I find like really hard to rate. Cause on the one hand I'm like quality, I want to give it like a one, but it was, it's so funny. I laugh just watching this. I'm going to keep revisiting it. Uh, I'm what sure do you give every it? once in a while. So I give it a three solid three. And you know, my assumptions, I was right on some of it. It was, you know, a bad direct to video nineties movie. I wasn't sure if he was a monster or a bad man. I went with bad man and that's what he was. And I said there was some childhood trauma, which there was, but that he was like seeking revenge like Freddy Krueger and that there would be like, you know, feeding kids rat poison or razor blades, which that never happened. And I said hilarity ensued. And then I said he probably won't be killing kids. I went, I, I teeter tottered. You were and, right. Um, yeah. He didn't kill any kids. The kids also. But I died. wanted him to. Yeah. So you bad. want him to if you're going to do that. Oh, uh, one more thing is I saw on Letterboxd, somebody had like a review on there that reminded me of this fact where I was like, oh yeah, they did try to do a Kickstarter to make a sequel a few years ago. Wow. And they hoped to raise $300,000 for the budget. 
They made $4,000 and had to shut down the Kickstarter. Oh, oh my God. And 2000 of those dollars was from one donor. So, oh, my God. So That no, surprises me. I would think that it would have been able to make it. Yep. No, no sequel as of yet has surfaced, though. In the little interview I watched that's just from, you know, a few years back, Clint Howard says that they talk about it all the time. So. But he's not getting any younger, so I hope they would do it soon yeah. if they're going to bring him back and have him involved. And like connection-wise between the two, I think they're both kind of fun and a little bit silly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. My my little bit more specific connection was, so Mortuary Collection has Clancy Brown, Ice Cream Man has Clint Howard. The two of them are like cult-like character actors, like they have their strong... You know, they're older character actors now that have strong cult followings. That's what I that's what I saw as a connection. And both of them have kids on bikes. That's true. They both got kids on bikes. You know what? And I bet you if I dug hard enough, I don't know off the top of my head. Is there a Clint Howard Clancy Brown connection? I bet you they've been in a movie together at some point because they're both so uh, uh, prolific that I would not be surprised. There's apparently a movie from 2013 called Sparks which is like some kind oh. of superhero movie, but apparently the two of them are in it. So well, there's, there's at least one for you. There is one they've done at least. One. I knew it's pretty recent, but still like for as long as they've been doing it for as many low budget movies as both of them have done, they had to have been in something together. So mm-hmm. there you go. Well, very fun. That's it. And Ice Cream Man, I'm going to push to try and get that on Strange Cinema Saturday sometime. Like That deserves it. Well, thanks, Jess, for the rec. And you know what? If anyone else out there is listening and you want to send us a recommendation and, you know, if we haven't seen it before, maybe we'll watch it. Even if we have, maybe we'll watch it. That's right. Write us. Scaringasharing at gmail.com. Easy peasy, fresh and squeezy. (laughs) lemon squeezy (laughs) just write it open up your little thingy you know hit compose new email there write it put in scaring is sharing at gmail.com hit send or follow us on insta and slide into those dms no no need to proofread just fire it off i i want care i want crazily written emails that yeah make no sense especially ones in all caps so yep Fire that off at us. And Jeremy, as always, it's a delight to spend some time with you and and uh, watch a couple movies. Watch some not-so-scary movies sometimes, but sometimes they might be. Who knows? That's part of the game. That's right. You'll have to come back next week to see what happens then. <laughs> what will they do next? <laughs> Till next time, my friend. And everyone out there, keep sharing the scares. That's right, because scaring is sharing. Bye. See ya. Scaring is sharing. 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 This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.